You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Um, you are a broken record today, cycling. I'm a broken record, thanks. You uh, <laughs> broke a record in the cycling. Um, we, it was 95 degrees today. I didn't break anybody's record but my own. So personal don't, best. Don't big me up. You got a personal best. Take take, take the compliment. Uh, compliment. Yeah, but you know me. You got a personal Not best. a goal-oriented person. Of 16 miles on your bicycle. Mm-hmm. In the 95 degree sun. I don't know what your time. 16.4. I don't know what your time counting. was. 16.4. <laughs> three you, hours. Three hours time. And that's only because of that weird guy. Yeah. And it wasn't you. You're, you're weird enough, but I mean, you were already, you just abandoned me every time. So you get back to the car half an hour, hour early, turn on the air I got conditioner. an hour early. I didn't turn on the air conditioner today. I just sat outside. And, uh, but then there's this weird guy just, ugh, so. Now, was he a weird guy? Or did you just think he was a weird, I mean. There's no fucking way that any man is going to go as slow as me. So you I was going as t- intent. I was going so slow. I was almost falling over. I was literally pushing the pedal just enough to stay vertical. And he was kept looking back and 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 stopping and stopping and stopping. And then at one point, he was on a bench. I went past him. As soon as I went past him. I heard him get back on his bike, and then I went as fast as I could, and he stayed the same distance. No, I'm not. Then I stopped because I'm, like, tired and hot, and I was about to die because I ran out of water. So I'm texting my friend, telling her that I'm on doing this 16 miles or whatever. He passes me. He gets the exact same distance in front of me because there's a distance where on that trail, if you, if you go too far, you can't see the person because there's lots of curves. There's an exact distance, and he kept stopping and going slower. And slower and slower. So at one point, I was like, fuck this. I just stopped for probably seven minutes. And I thought, if he is around that corner, right? And he was. So he had stopped until I came around that corner and then went on again. So, so what do you think he's I don't know. Was? Just one of those, he just seemed, yeah, when he very first passed me, because you had turned around and I was sitting there getting my headphones on. And he started, are, are you okay? Everything okay? You, I, are you okay? And as he, as he went past, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, fine. I'm just getting, you know, like, you know. And then that was it. It was like he was, I don't know. I don't know what any person's motivation is. Maybe he was friendly. stalking you. And he wanted to rob no, you. No, it just, I think sometimes, I don't know. And he was in jeans and a t-shirt and he was sweating like a mofo. And it was just creepy. <laughs> I can't help it. So that slowed me down because I was seriously going so slow intentionally. I didn't want to ride next to him or near him. So I should have come back. And then he probably would have got weirded out and gone, wouldn't he? Oh no. If we were if we yeah. were riding together, he would not have done that. Oh no. He never would have spoken, I don't think. I just you don't know him in I mean, I'm not like Miss Slender athletic person. I'm a round middle aged woman sweating my ass off on the trail. It doesn't matter because there are men who are lonely or weird or whatever, and they're going to want to see, like, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe she should talk to me. Look at me, I'm all hot and sweaty and stinky in my jeans and <laughs> my, my t-shirt. Look at my wet jeans. <laughs> <laughs> sweaty and just regular shoes, even. My wet, sexy He didn't sexy have tennis jeans. shoes on. No, he was pretty sweaty looking. Well, they might have been. They just looked dark because no, I could see from like, a distance. He had, like, tennis shoes, black ones. 
But it all everything he had on was like if you if it's ninety five degrees, that's not the stuff. You now some have. people listen to this and be like, why would you leave your wife riding in the woods by herself? Me, I don't give a shit. I'd rather be by myself, and I can handle myself if somebody does get weird with me. But I don't like somebody interrupting my flow. <laughs> True. I was like, where's the river? I'm going to push him in the river. And then I went on to worry about it. So, moving on to the <laughs> show itself. That's not the before the episode discussion, but today we rode 16.4 miles on our bikes. We did. So 94 degree heat. We did. Aren't we amazing? So, <laughs> it is. People ride like 50 miles a day. People are like, 16 miles, I do that. I do that three times a day. I drive that to work every day. What's the yeah. deal? <laughs> Uh, so it is Saturday, July the 25th. This is after the show. We are a podcast. We review movies, not cycling adventures. But we do review movies and we review Blu-rays. And this week's Blu-ray on after the show number 386 is Kingsman The Secret Service. It's a 2014 movie. It's already been released on Blu-ray. You can pick it up. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Fox. You give the synopsis. And the synopsis of uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service, is it is based on the Mark Miller comic of the same name. And That tells me nothing. It is a spy story set in England with a very stylistic Is this edge, a period piece? Edge to it. No, it's modern day <laughs> okay. spy story. It's a... Almost like an homage to like the Bond movies and stuff. This doesn't sound like a synopsis anymore, as um, you would say to me. <laughs> that's the synopsis. So moving on to the movie, um, Kingsman, The Secret Service. I just want to say up front here, I'm a big fan of Matthew Vaughn. He made the best X-Men movie of all the X-Men movies. He made Kick-Ass, which is a fantastic... Which uh, X-Men do you do? Uh, f- first Class. The, oh, yeah. Uh, fast Men, you know where they were yep. Um And he... Also made another amazing movie that's kind of most people haven't seen, but it's amazing, and it's uh, called Layer Cake, and it was uh, stars Daniel Craig before he became Bond. Um, so there's another movie that he made that's amazing. He was also Guy Ritchie's um, right hand man on Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels, Snatch, all those movies. So he's been around for a while, uh, and I'm always been a big fan of him. I like what he does, and. I have to say, this movie just blew me away, <laughs> start to finish. It was um, something else. I didn't expect it to be as good it as it was. You so much you had to pee three times. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. And he didn't do... Kick-Ass 2 was made by other people, um, even though the comic was still wrote. You know, Matthew Vaughn didn't do Kick-Ass 2, which is probably why Kick-Ass 2 wasn't as good. Um, but, Kingsman, uh, so you... What do you think of Kingsman? The Kingsman or Kingsman? Kingsman. Oh, what oh, is? Uh oh, I have the hiccups. I really enjoyed it. Okay, try again. I enjoyed it so much, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> I rode 16 miles on a bike, <laughs> and it's late at night. It's 10:42. Right, will you it's turn into normal. a pumpkin if this? If this? <laughs> it's not podcast. our normal time of day, and I'm tired. If this podcast goes on till midnight, you may turn into a pumpkin. I turn into a pumpkin. I enjoyed it. I feel like it was... It has that... He has this constant... Okay, get a little anesthetized to his... Like this thing where he wells up in these moments when at the very last second, someone's either going to be saved or die. And it happens multiple times. Now, in a different kind of movie, that could get really eye-rollingly bad. 
It is noticeable, but... You mean music? Not the music. This whole, how he tells the story. It's like... Right, exciting. <laughs> it's not of. exciting. I'm trying to point out. It's like pushing that exact same trope over and over. Oh, this disaster is about to happen in the last second. Now, in, one, in some movies, it happens once. So it's a big impact. He does it about ten times. So that gets a little wearing. A little bit like, okay, we get it. It's going to be in peril and they're going to be fine. Or, uh, almost always fine. However, and then of course, you know my opinion about the end sequence. Well, boring. Just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Sliver. Like a one second part. Other than that, when we stopped once to take a pee break and it was only half over, I was like, yes, it's only half over. So yeah, it's a that tells you that I, well, not even that, just that I was just glad I still had a whole half of the movie to go. Yeah, so let's might be some spoilers in this section, but um, I want to discuss some of the finer points of this movie. Um, one is... The action in this movie is, to me, like nothing I've ever seen. It is filmed very differently to any other... Um, even Kick-Ass is not like this. It's like a comic book. It's like you're watching the panels of a comic book. It slows down, it speeds up. It's not Matrix. But then it also has some odd... To me, why I thought it was trying to be 3D. Like, rubbery kind of... like Not rubbery, exactly. But like there's a, he does a fight in a, a bar... Um, there's a fight in a bar with Mr. Uh, Colin Firth and he punches a man and it slows down his fist and then the fist hits and you can see all the ripples as it hits the guy and then the guy kind of hits the bar and like does this odd movement with his body that looks like no human could ever do that so it's like a like you see in a comic book somebody yeah. like folding in half like there's a lot of that kind of thing which is like I was amazed I was watching it and it's so fast the fight sequence I was like, how's the, how are they even doing the sequences? Like, yeah, like, what's the <laughs> mixture of... Like, there's some CG going on, but I can't really tell what that is. Like, and Colin Firth did all his own stunts in this movie, incidentally. And he just looks badass doing it. I mean, there is a sequence, and this is the one I like to discuss, in a church that is... Way later in the movie. Yeah, that is. Well, it's awesome. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, oh my God, this is... This is like a comic book come to life. It is ridiculous, over the top. It's not in, in any way possible. But it's like the pa- the panels of a comic book. Because everything's like it's a thing, and then a thing, and then another thing. It's really pow, 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 pow. Um, amazingly choreographed. But so... and it, I, I mean, it's really grim. Mm-hmm. But it's also got a f- comedic style to it or something it's weird it's weird when you're watching it you're like am i disgusted at this or is this fun or is this and it's re- it's really controversial i think that scene i'm sure some people i bet there's people who left the theater at that point sure because it is way over the top in terms of violence even though it's comic booky what is happening and you don't understand what's happening while you're watching it fully do you you're like oh, what is going on here exactly it's kind of it's kind of ground. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if it's groundbreaking. It's just a bunch of people beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, but it's it's the setting of it makes it makes it. It's I'm not. See, you're bringing stuff to it that I don't yeah. have. I couldn't give a shit if you're in a church and you get beat up. But particularly these. Particular, I mean, it's not these, just beating. This up. is a take on the West Westboro 
yeah. Baptist church. Hate, hate preachers. Yeah, hate preaching, hate hate congregations, the ones who want to bring down the government and hate all the different races and use the N-word and think the Jews are killing everyone or, you know, stealing all the money. It's Jewish people, I'm sorry, or anything. All of that. All wrapped up in this group of people in this church. So it, I, didn't, I couldn't care any less if they're in a church or in a store. It just came across very... But you very, bring that to it. It also, it just, I was watching it and it, it came across very, wow, they really went there with this movie. They didn't go, ah, that would be a bit too much. They just went, oh no, that's too much, so let's do that. Like, I really think that's ballsy for a movie, like, and, and I think that might have been to do with, we were watching the extras, and they said that the way Matthew Vaughn makes movies is he independently funds them, makes them himself, and then sells it to Fox after he's made it without them even seeing it. They just believe in him and think he'll make a good movie if he was making it with fox's money that scene would have been different i think yeah i don't think they would have gone that far so this movie goes really far it's also got a very in a very like i know you didn't like one it's just one joke literally in the whole movie that you didn't like but i think it's got a wicked sense of humor too it's funny like because this kid who plays like a chavy kind of explain chav a chav is a if you're if you're English you know exactly what a chav is but it's like a Kardashian is a chav yeah like somebody who's sleazy common, and sleazy and low class yeah. but because they have a little bit of money or they can pretend to have a little bit of money they try to class themselves up they might be low so, class but they wear a designer hat or a designer coat or whatever but they're still low class like when they open the mouth you're like these the why are, why are they dressed like that so this kid is like. Kind of like you know. when you watch Ozzy's reality show from a few years ago. Yeah. He's just this inner city kid who's got a really foul mouth, which is very authentic. I mean, it's not like gratuitous. It's like, no, the kids, you know, teenagers act like that in London, inner city London. Um, and there's a sense of humour to it all. And it being set in Britain and being very true to that, like they live in like a shitty little flat, there's nothing glamorous about their life or anything. I, I buy them, you know. He's, yeah, totally. he's a dude and that's totally. his mum. And they've got a shitty, you know, a mum's got a shitty boyfriend. I buy all that. And that adds a sense of, to me anyway, being British, it adds a sense of, it's very, it makes it very different. It makes it very Matthew Vaughan to me. It may, it's, it's not very Hollywoody. Feels like a British movie, but there's like all these Hollywood actors in it, you know, because there are some big names in it. Aren't they almost like British? Except for Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, yes. So it's not very Hollywood uh, to me at all. And the lady. Well, I, I don't know. It just feels, it's got, it's got, it's expensive, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot, of, you know, it feels like a proper. Do you value that over an inexpensive movie? Um, no, because sometimes inexpensive movies are, are really good too, but you don't often see British movies with this kind of. But it's not really a British movie. Well, He's it was all like... made in Britain, right? Is he British? Yeah. I can't remember. Matthew Vaughn's British. <laughs> of course. I can't remember. And Jane Goldman, who wrote it, is British, True. and Mark Miller's Scottish, and you know, 20th it's, it's... Century Fox isn't British. No, but they just bought the movie when he made it, right? So it's not right. He, he, it's all made in Britain by a British director and everything, and then they buy it. It doesn't make it an American movie because it's not. Where was it made? It was made in that studio that we watched Jonathan Ross walk around on that show the other night. Pinewood. Oh, right, yeah, It was yeah. all made at Pinewood. Yeah. Um, so it's just got this distinct Britishness to it. And they don't mince words. You know, the C word is said, the F word is said. There's extreme violence. It's not It's not a James Bond movie. It's not like play acting, like funny in that way. 
Roger Moore, you know, doing silly one-liners and stuff. It actually gets down to the nitty-gritty of it. Um, and I have to go on to... Well, there are some one-liners. Yeah, there are, but I mean... Don't class it up too much. There's a, no, but there's also like a... There's a reality to it, aside from like the really... There's some crazy shit in there as well, like really mm-hmm. crazy shit. Like gadgets and spy stuff. But it's like... It's so different from other spy stuff I've seen. It's not. It's the English element of it. And I know James Bond English is English too, but it's just posh people and it, this has that, you know, like watching EastEnders, like just normal people doing the thing. Well, I just disagree with you. In on fact, that there's part. an EastEnders actress in here. It just has Correct. this. It just it has a different feel. And it's a feel, it actually just ticks all the boxes for me anyway. Like it's like, wow. It, um, another one that does the same thing is Shaun of the Dead. Because it's got this very British thing about it. Which tickles me. It's the funniness of it. And the world's end. It's distinctly British. But it's also got a lot of action. And it's on a bigger scale. Like, And this does that same thing for me. But with the spy genre. Like Shaun of the Dead did for zombies. I mean it's not, it's not totally making jokes all the time. But I find it funny. And what I really like about it. Actually after going to the cast. Because the cast make this movie. It's really good casting, I think, in all respects. And first off, I want to say Taron Egerton, who plays Eggsy. He's a, like, he's literally a, a newcomer. Like, he got this job. He's not had another job. He gets this job. And he is fantastic. And he's not an inner city London youth at all. But I completely buy him as one. You know? Like, that accent is just... You might say, I mean, people might say, oh, it's not hard to do that accent. It is quite hard if to... If you're from there, you might not agree with it, you. Well, it's quite... I've heard that accent so much. I know what that accent is. And he nails it. Like, I would never question that he wasn't from, you know... Where was he from? South London. I wouldn't question that. And it's not just the accent. He's like... When Matthew Vaughn said it, he's like... The, it's, it's almost like he was perfect when he came in. He's like, that's it. He is. He's like on point all the time. And he's acting against. He's Remember, he's like this yep. dude. And he even in the extras, he even showed that to me. He, he was he kind of was like, was like I, when you see this, I, I'm actually, nobody really knows who I am. But I'm in this film with like Michael Caine. And I could see the excitement on his face. Imagine, like you're just this. Yeah, I go. Eh, see, you do get a different take on that. I just felt like you wanted to be cool, so I don't. I didn't really. Well, we saw him on Jonathan Ross as well, and he was. I feel like he was the dude who who just got picked out of a million people and was like, "Holy shit, I'm in this big movie like with these people." And I have to imagine the how scary that is. Like, I, I can't mess this be, up. I'm yeah, actually the star I, of this. You would have a lot of internal pressure on yourself. Yeah. Um, so I loved him. Did you like him? Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him in other things, and he is coming in other things. They're doing a remake of The Craze, which another is a British thing. Another British thing. Um, and Tom Hardy is playing both of the Cray brothers, which is interesting. Uh, he's not going to be... Um, Edgerton's not going to be one of the Crays, but he's in it. But uh, Tom Hardy's doing them both, so that'll be interesting to see how that works, because the Spandau Ballet brothers did it before. So uh, with the magic of CGI... Jeremy Irons did both brothers in the Dead Ringers. He did, and that, that worked, long worked really well without CGI. Yep. <laughs> that was just like... Creepy movie. Cutting and pasting. Dead Ringers. If you don't know what Dead Ringers is, I don't want to give away the hook. So... So don't. So... <laughs> yeah, but so, 
It's very sexual. It's very of the early 90s. It's very overly analytical of sexual relationships and weird sexual hang-ups. Sexual, then. Twin brothers <laughs> who are gynecologists. You're, you're giving it away now, aren't you? You, you said you know, I want to say anything about well, it. Let me put this way. There's two it. doctors who are gynecologists. They're identical twins, and they're kind of pervy. Okay. And they you're invent their own tools Still telling me for gynecological much. exploration. One of the tools isn't just for a single vagina. That's enough now. So, <laughs> Dead ringers from I don't know what year. Moving on to uh, Colin Firth, who plays Galahad in this. Um, so this this story is basically the old, older, wiser um, spy teaching the young recruit the, the, the ropes and getting him into the business. And Colin Firth plays, you know, the older, wiser guy. And I've always liked Colin Firth anyway. And in this, it's a very different... And that's one of the things I really like about this movie. I think people are playing against what they normally are. Obviously, we've never seen Colin Firth in an action movie like this. I mean, he's he's generally in, like, very serious things like The King's Speech or very fluffy things like Bridget Jones, you know? Uh, and we've seen him in um, Blood, other serious... Yeah, and other serious things like... Um, Wuthering Heights and things like that that the BBC did years ago, you know. But I've never seen him in a kick-ass action movie, and he did perfectly job for me. He was, a, he was suave, sophisticated. People say he should be James Bond. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I like this what he did here. I mean, it's not exactly ja- he's not being James Bond. No. If anybody's being James Bond in this movie, it's that other guy yeah. from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? <laughs> yeah. Commodore. Jack Davenport, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Colin Firth did a really good job. Uh, Mark Strong appears here as Merlin. Mark Strong likes to appear in Matthew Vaughn movies. Uh, what did you think? He's good. He's a little... I don't know why he was trying to pull off that accent, because he kept slipping a lot. I thought it might have been something to do with the comic. He's but, trying uh, to have a Scottish... No, I don't think so. Trying to have a Scottish accent... Even I know that it went, it disappeared a lot. Yeah, it wasn't. The there best. were one or two lines where it was really thick, and then after that, it kind of faded, and he was just his normal self. I don't know what that is, but um, I always liked his normal self's just posh. But I felt like they were trying to either he was trying or they were trying to get him to you know in spy movies. You don't know if all of your good guys and bad guys are good guys and they bad guys. They were trying that, I think. So it was too much of flatness to get you. To either like him too much so that if you do find out he's a bad guy that you're disappointed or to dislike him so much that then you find out he's Professor Snape and he's actually a good guy. You know what I mean? There was nothing. It was kind of across the line. I really Where I like his presence, liked his courage though. Though. Yeah. yeah. I like I his presence. I think that he he holds steady on... Every, he could have held his own with any of those people. And I, I always like seeing him anyway. Yeah. What um, was the movie you saw in him that where it was really creepy? He was a bad guy. Kick us. No. He was a gangster guy. Lay a cake. Don't think so. After that. <laughs> He's been in a lot of things. Rock and roller. Rock and roller. Yeah. yeah. A Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guy, amongst Guy Ritchie movies <laughs> and Matthew Vaughn movies, uh, Mark Strong <laughs> is a favorite guy. He's one of their mates. Um, so Jack Davenport, who really doesn't appear in the movie particularly that much. 
and plays Lancelot. And yeah, if you <laughs> very quick, <laughs> he's the James Bond guy in this movie. Let's just say there's a slice of him in this movie. There is just a small da, 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 da. couple of t- couple of slices. <laughs> One. So uh, Mark Hamill. Who? Luke Skywalker. Let me just say his name. Oh, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker plays Professor a- Professor or Arnold. The Joker. Yeah. Or. <laughs> Comic book the movie. That's yeah. it. <laughs> the director of comic book the movie. Um, yeah, Mark Hamill appears here as Professor Arnold. Interesting story in the comic book of the same name, uh, the Secret Service. Actually, it's not called Kingsman, is it? It's called the Secret Service, the comic book. Mark Hamill also appears in the comic book as himself. So here he doesn't appear as himself, but they put him in there. And you know what? I've not seen him on the screen for so long, and it just makes me smile because I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Luke Skywalker's on the screen. Like my, like Matthew like Vaughn I said, said, amongst all these people, I don't care. I don't care about. And you can look at all this. Oh, Colin Firth and Michael Caine and and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, and none of those people actually have the same status as that one guy who was Luke Skywalker. Mm. You, I look at those characters. I can see other pictures. I can't point. I can't say a character's name of any of them that rises above. The known, the fame of Luke Skywalker. Nothing does anyway, really. I mean, other things do, of course. But I mean, in this group, even though you've got Colin Firth, like I said, and these big names, none of them have done a character that surpasses, that the entire human race will go, (gasps) Luke Skywalker, like none of them. You know, none of them. I mean, not the whole world has seen Pulp Fiction. No. You might think so, but they haven't. Michael Caine is... Nobody... A lot of people aren't going to be like, there's one iconic character that Michael Caine played. You might think so, but that's not universal. Mark Hamill equals Luke Skywalker. And you know, he's in this movie. He doesn't elevate the movie. No. But he's perfectly fine. He has a British accent. It works well. Which isn't... Natural, but it looks... He plays scared very well, because he's just being scared. He's very theatrical, Mark Hamill. He's like, he could be on a stage doing a play... I think that that he fits there. And this character, because he's a professor, he's not Mr. Tough Guy, I think it fit perfectly. Yeah, because the main scene that he's in, while there's horrific things going on around the scene, he manages to keep it light, kind of. It's it's kind of funny because of his reactions. Yeah. He has some, and, you know, when she's trying to clean up, and he's like... But yeah, theatrical. But, you know, it's Mark Hamill. I um, can't fault him. (laughs) Well, I can, but I can't. So Samuel L. Jackson plays the bad guy at Valentine. And I have to say, you know, often Samuel L. Jackson, he really just does the same thing. And we know. and he's He doesn't do, like, you know, actually, from the Bible or anything anymore. With the, you no, know, you know, Pulp Fiction's fiction yeah. like a real turn. It's a very standout thing for me. And also, um, in uh, Django Unchained, I thought he was fantastic. But... True. Um, you know, Nick Fury, things like that. It's kind of, you know, it's here's Samuel L. Jackson. You can't really... Now, in this... As Valentine, and unlike Matthew Vaughn said, he, he's kind of like a Steve Jobs or a, just one of these big technology evangelist type people who's got this plan. He's a billionaire. Got a plan. And it's a, I actually loved the plan. The plan I, is very interesting. It's really interesting, and I'm glad they went through with it, kind of. I think he talked to M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. But it's a good plan. It makes sense. And you know... Because that, it's happening. There's a scene where... He's, t- he's telling somebody something, and the guy says, uh, oh, it's Michael Caine. He says, 
yeah, it just seemed to make sense. And I'm listening to what my uh, Sam Jackson's, and I'm going, yeah, it does make As sense. The maniacal I bad agree, guy. and yeah. I would probably, uh, you know, I wouldn't, because, but I mean, it, it was like, oh, he's like, he's a good guy. He's good at telling the story, and the story was like, that is absolutely right. Why, why wouldn't I be behind this guy? And he gets everybody behind him, doesn't he? But yep. it's an awesome plan. I love the plan. <laughs> the baddie was good, and the plan was good. So it made it all interesting. Like it was the definitely whole, a maniacal bad guy plan. Like a real, like almost because they can be a bit silly with it. Almost better than some of the Bond villains' plans because some of the Bond villains they, they amount to nothing, do they? They amount, they never amount. You know, some do, some don't. But some are like, oh, really? That's all he was going to do? This is like, no, this is pretty badass. Though, what he's what he's trying to do. But him himself, and he plays it with this lisp, and it was his own creation. And at first, I was like, "Oh no, he's going to, is, is he going to do Daffy Duck or something?" It sounds kind of weird. Why do you leap to Daffy Duck? Daffy Duck has a funny, not Daffy Duck. Who is it with the no. the Looney Tunes? Uh, this it might be Daffy Duck who has like a funny lisp. But I was like, "Oh no, it's going to be like a cartoon thing." Like a, Sylvester, do you mean? Maybe the cat is going to do like a. It's going to be... And it will come in and out, but no. But it made sense, it. like, as well. He held it, and he really emphasized it sometimes, and other times you could tell that he's been around somebody where he really worked out linguistically where to put his... where how to do it exactly, and it worked, and his behavior was... I mean, I'm just never a huge... I'm just not a huge Samuel L. Jackson fan, so anytime I watch and I'm like, okay, that, I'm convinced that I'm watching... That character, not Samuel L. Jackson. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I liked everything about him. He's a bad guy, but I actually, you know... (laughs) Because he has this thing about... He's charming. He's also kind of like... He believes in what he's doing. Yeah. He's a bit naive. He's a bit distant. He doesn't like blood and gore. He doesn't like violence. So So he has this thing. He can block out innocently almost in a weird way. Yeah, that's the odd part. That terrible things are going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> but that makes him even more scary, like, because he's, like, he's... And he's so disconnected he'll do it, from it, yeah. But he won't take any... Exactly. He just steps aside. As and, we know. Yeah. He does it and then lets it... Oh, well, let's move on now. Don't forget about Gazelle. <laughs> but um, Samuel L. Jackson, I liked everything about him. I even, his wardrobe was awesome. The way he carries himself, the whole thing was... It was... It was not Samuel not, L. Jackson. No. Like, yeah. it, it, it was, the whole thing was great. Um... And then uh, Sophia Butella plays Gazelle, and she's his henchman, his jaws, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she's a amputee, double amputee, so she's got no feet. legs from the bot, no feet legs. But she's got those. You've seen them. Where, um, well, these are special ones, but you've seen yeah. uh, the the girl on the Amazing Race, for mm-hmm. instance. The sh- uh, no, it was it on the Amazing Race. Somebody on the Amazing Race had them. But they're those. What do you? I, I think they look like shoehorns. But they're actually uh, they legs. have a name I don't know. Yeah, but um, they're the she, bouncy feet. She's got those, but they're spiky ones like swords with swords in yeah. them. And <laughs> Very all sharp. the time, it is awesome. Like I mean, it's CG, but I never question it. Nope. It, it's like oh yeah, she really First is. First like, two minutes, I was like, did they hire a lady with double amputees? That's awesome. Yeah. But then obviously it kicked in. But it's so well done. Like it's um, and she is really cool because she doesn't say a lot. She has this presence about her whenever she enters. And there's, you know, there's a relationship between her and Samuel Jackson. She definitely Jackson. holds up to Samuel L. Jackson. She doesn't... No, you know why? she's not subversive. You know why all these people come out being really good and equally good? It's because that director, as we saw in the extras, and I've said in the past, there are directors 
who are too chicken shit to tell Samuel L. Jackson that the thing he just did is flat or boring or, well, you've done that before or can we try it again? And this guy, he just will literally say, yeah, we need more of this on that line and pull this back a little bit and come over here. And he gets him down on the floor and gets him up and down, yeah, up and down. Do and that, yeah. Like, I need you to do this and a little bit and keeps him on there. All of them. He's not afraid to say, uh, let's do it again or and tell them how to change it. Whereas I see someone like Kevin Smith, if he's trying to direct Samuel L. Jackson, just be like, sir, that is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And then go back to the editing room and go, oh, shit. Why didn't I tell him? Yeah, that, looks, that looks terrible. But this guy, so Samuel L. Jackson, I feel like he responds well to that. Like he's not. He, s- he said like he liked it, didn't he, when he went Being told and then he had his own thing with the list. But, yeah. you know, so I feel like that's what brought out good in all these different people. That the director is not willing to let anybody off the hook. The same thing as he tells the young unknown guy to pick up this line and say that better and do this over here and act more like this. He says the exact same thing to Michael Caine, yeah. which I find really good. And Sophia Boutel is actually a dancer. So a lot of the... She's a gymnastic dancer. Um, so a lot of the moves that she does, and she does a lot, especially towards the end of the movie, it's her own thing. Like, she's doing, like, moves that she knows. and uh, well, I mean, it's wire work and stuff, but it... I mean, it, it just... It, that whole sequence I've, I've found really... Yeah, when good. she really did get a chance to do some stuff, but yeah, I really like her. She she was excellent. Um, Michael Caine plays Arthur, and you, you know, I, there's something about Michael Caine for me. He's very, like, I loved him in the Batman movies. There's something very authoritative about him, and he he has a presence on the screen for sure. But Michael Caine's not doing anything different. Like like <laughs> like we His just accent, said, Samuel obviously. Jackson is. His accent is different. Because yeah. his normal accent is he's like a Londoner, right? Yeah. Like so a he puts scout, on the posh like a... one. But he he's right. done that throughout his career anyway. So he's either he's one the or author- the other. He's the authoritative guy in charge. Yeah. That's it. So he's... He, I love that he's in it. And he, wor- he, uh, he works as that character. But yeah, he's not doing what Samuel L. Jackson's doing. He's not like going, oh, I'm going to create something here. He's just going, okay, Mm-mm. I'm in this movie. Um, and then... No, that's it. I find I got them all down. So uh, yeah, I think a fantastic cast. Everybody does a fantastic got, job. Uh, East Enders one. Yeah, uh, Samantha Womack. No, well, yeah, so, yeah, Samantha Womack. She got married. She was Samantha Janus, but um, she's Ronnie from East Enders. She plays Eggsy's mum, <laughs> but it's a small role. It is. And you thought it was Rose from. I uh, did Doctor. the first time I saw her. I thought it was Rose. I was convinced. Yeah. I immediately was like, "Oh, East Enders." Are they related? You don't. You don't. No. You don't often see EastEnders actors no. in movies, do you? Except no by mouth. True. Get mo. So, um, directed by Matthew Vaughn, Kick-Ass, Stardust, which is another underlooked film. Awesome. Really good. Um, I tell you, you know, when you were just saying, like, he lets actors do what, you know, be what they want to be. Um, Robert De Niro in Stardust. That's another scenario where Robert De Niro is just like, I'm going to do something here and it's not what I normally do. Oh, that this was is- his ma- idea? Yeah, because remember we watched the extra. It was one of he's, he was like he brought this idea to me and I let him do oh, it. Oh right! And it's another thing like that. It's like, wow, Matthew Vaughn really trusts some of the actors, or he, I mean, he would. But so. I think he's willing to say to Samuel yeah, Jackson, uh, shit. Yeah. "Yeah, let's let's not do the list. Yeah, let's try so. it." But if we didn't like if he didn't like it, I think he would drop it. So that's why I have respect for him. I don't necessarily agree with his whole philosophy. About everything, but I li- I think he wants to be too cool sometimes, the director guy. I think he wants to be, like, he wants to make a movie that people then think he's cool for. And I find that a little bit icky, but the result is a good fun movie. movie. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, good is subjective, but um, you and I like it. But Stardust is an excellent movie. Um, it's Matthew Vaughn's take on a fairy tale, and it comes across as Matthew Vaughn's take on a. It's not your. You ob- see it again. Yeah, it's really good. It's not your average. Another movie actually that I just realised has a take that song at the end. Yeah, Maybe does. he has something yeah, about does. takes that take <laughs> that songs, um, and this one has a take that song at the end too. So um, yeah, Stardust is a. I don't think many people saw Stardust, and it is a very different fairy tale. Like this is a very different spy movie. That's a very different fairy tale, uh, and Ricky Gervais is in it too. Correct. Uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, and he also did Layer Cake, which is an, also an excellent. It's more of a serious. Um, Jude Law was he in Layer Cake? Yes, I believe he was, and uh, you know uh, James Bond himself. Uh, but it was a. That was more of a lock, stock, and smoking barrels. Maybe not that funny, but a very dark, violent movie. Uh, so also, this guy doesn't do his own thing. He always also copies X-Men. off of everybody else. And X Men First Class. Keep that in mind. I definitely think that's the best X Men film. Um, so extras on this Blu-ray. It, it's like the extras on this Blu-ray are just one thing. It's like a, it's ninety minutes long, and it's just a big long split into parts documentary about how they made the movie. Um, it's good and it's the type of extra I like it's not all farty little three minute pieces that you have to keep like flicking through the menus to find it's just this big thing that encompasses all of it like the weapons in the movie um, cast in it everybody in the cast has something to say Um, they talk about the origin even the two guys who wrote the comic book uh, wrote and drew it they have a really decent piece where they Mark Miller um and where they talk about how you know how, how it was changed, you know they've changed a lot. If you go back, if you go and read the comic, it's not the same as this movie, but they're inspired by it. So yeah, a good set of extras. So conclusion. Don't forget Jonathan Ross's wife. You Jonathan, always like yeah, to mention Jane. her. Yeah, she was the writer, and she's the writer on on Kickass as well. Um, Jane Goldman. Goldman. She does write. You know, she's. It's interesting that that it's written by a woman. Because. It doesn't come across. Because the women in this movie are all idiots except for one girl. Yeah, and but, who actually is a non-character. We just but Jane Goldman, I've seen interviews with her before, and she's not like that. I mean, she's really exactly. She's so really, this one was a bit overrun with testosterone. Yeah, I think Matthew had a say in that, didn't he? Or or maybe even Mike Miller. I think it's. I don't. I don't think it's subconscious. I don't even think people notice. But um, I think this is an excellent movie. It's going to be high up on my list this this year. I can tell you, already. It really. Well, here's what happened as soon as it was over. Yeah, I cl- I I clapped at the end. And usually it's like this. Yeah. No, I I was. And sometimes it's like this. <laughs> and stay tuned in the credits because there's a bit of a there's a two minute kind of yeah end scene that that happens just after the credits. So no, it's, it's like the a credit- little satisfaction thing. And it's a really like a crowd pleaser moment, isn't it? So and it, I th- I really thought it was awesome. There's also good use of music in this movie. I thought, especially the uh, "Give It Up" yeah, by Casey Neistat. Yeah, but isn't it weird? It's like perfect. Your brain's almost. like no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But it's almost perfect. You're you're watching it, and there's these horrible, horrible things happening, and then Casey Casey and the Sunshine Band are singing "Give It Up." It's just yeah, it's like a ah. Uh, this is like this is wrong, but it's right at the same time. So yeah, there's some awesome use of music. Um, and the theme of this movie, the actual orchestral piece, I think it's awesome. It's like a proper spy movie. Yeah, piece. it is. Yeah. And, but it's not Bondy. It's just no, what it sounds. Like. But it really gets you going. Like, oh, they're going on a mission. This is the thing, you know. 
So, um, yeah, I highly recommend, highly, 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 highly recommend Kingsman, The Secret Service. So thank you to Fox. Uh, contest, you can enter a contest uh, on aschoolie.com, win some Blu-rays. You can also tune in next week when we review The Water Diviner, starring Russell Crowe. So movie recommendations this week, I am going with, based on Kingsman, The Secret Service. I would have said Kick-Ass, but I've recommended Kick-Ass many times. I'm going with, watch the James Bond movies, uh, because this is based on spy movies, and watch the Star Wars movies, because Mark Hamill's in this movie. So that is how many movies did I say? About 35. Yeah, a lot of movies. So that, that's my <laughs> so record. That's your homework. That's my record for I forgot what my recommendations are. Hold on. Um, oh, right. Because these movies were mentioned, and I did recommend one of these last week, but it was funny that he, someone mentioned Trading Places. Because he says he to the, the kid, yeah. have you ever seen the movie Trading Places? And he's like, made a funny face. And what he's trying to point out is that someone who's born without a silver spoon in their mouth can then switch around and have potential to be something else. If you haven't seen Trading Places, it's that, you know, switching He's, a rich man with a poor man. He said he didn't see Trading Places, right? And yeah. then at the end, he quoted it. In the middle of it, he quoted it. He said, are you looking good, feeling good? <laughs> yes, he did. So he had seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Because <laughs> I was like, oh. That's where that came. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah. That's exactly right. So I thought that was a nice Feeling touch. good. I was oh, like, yeah. Oh. Trading Places So he'd good. either seen it, he, he, either... A, I think he must have done his homework. Yeah, he'd gone, yeah. oh, those... those. Or they just wrote it into the movie. It was pretty funny, and though. And he didn't know what he was saying. And uh, the other one that he mentioned, and I completely disagree, this is this rags to riches story, but whatever. Just some girl fucks her way into some rich man's life. Um, Pay woman. Yeah. To me, that's the summing of, of that movie. There's no... She doesn't do anything. She has sex with the guy, and he happens to find her charming. Therefore, now she's no longer a poor prostitute living in a shitty apartment. She's now a rich woman. A rich one, yeah. This isn't the story of rags to riches in any sort of, like, <laughs> intelligent quality What it way. basically is, is she um, she's normally a prostitute, and now she's got a full-time punter. <laughs> yeah. Who paid. Who, who loves her. Come yeah. on, he loves but, her. But, I mean, he's literally, like, she, she had to do it for, like, a few dollars every time, and now she just gets paid fully for it. If you take the movie for what it is, <laughs> yeah, because she's added nothing. No. She's brought nothing, even when she's being the... You know, whatever the My Fair Lady esque parts where she's supposed to be more refined. She still shoots the snail across the thing and giggles and laughs, and she's still herself, which is awesome, but she does nothing to achieve anything except gets found on the street by some rich guy. It's like, how. Uh, it's a funny reference, I just thought. I, th- I thought it was funny in this movie also where he was saying, Have you seen these movies? What was it? Yeah. Tra- Trading Blazes. He's saying it to the young spy. I didn't know spy. the other one, the middle one. To the young spy, he was saying, have you seen Trading Places? Pretty woman Pretty he woman. hadn't seen. And it, and it reminded me of speaking to our nephew. Yeah. Who doesn't, like, <laughs> I'll say, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And the really iconic things are going, no, no, no. And then he'll say, but I've read Sherlock Holmes. Like Exactly, all, the, all of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> that was a similar type <laughs> yeah. of scenario. he goes, oh, it's like My Fair Lady. And he's yeah. like, oh, so you've seen what that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and your other one? I said him. You did say that. Pretty woman. <laughs> Trading places. And. <laughs> <laughs> so games and Ace Scully stuff this week, quickly. I haven't got many of them. Squares. <laughs> it's a PS Vita game. You played it. I played it. It's called Squares. Um, 
it's one of those games that anybody can play because it is very self-explanatory. There are rules, but it's quite clear within like 30 seconds what you're supposed to do. But doing what they're what they're telling you to do is not as easy as it looks. Because it's really simple. Press the blue square. Press the double just press. Just a game of reactions, really. Double press the darker blue square. Slide the arrow. In a very short period of time. And you get a short period of time to do it in. I really like it. It's really fun and challenging. And I love it when I get one. Like, oh, I did it. I did it. You know, like, because the time limit's so tight, right? It's like, almost seems impossible. And then you do it about five times and you're like, oh, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. It's really fun to play. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Um, it can only be done on the Vita, really. It's like a touchy... You could probably... No, you couldn't even do it on a phone because you have to touch the back of the thing exactly. as well. So that is uh, Squares. And the other thing is uh, Game of Thrones Episode 5, which we played through this week. Um, I want to say uh, it was a lot shorter than usual, which I feel like is a bit of a jip when you've paid for the season pass. I expect them all to be kind of the same length. Because you don't watch Game of Thrones on TV and then one all of a sudden is 20 minutes long. It's like, you know... If they're trying to do an episodic thing that's supposed to be like, oh, you paid $5 for each of these episodes, you can't have one, two hours and then one... It doesn't matter how long it was because you messed up the end. I did not mess up the end. I <laughs> The ending went did. exactly how I wanted it to go. Terrible. Um, Terrible but anyway, choice. we won't spoil it. Um, Terrible choice. But it was. It is... They're doing pretty good with the, I think. You just said it's not long enough, but they're doing pretty good. No, I mean the story. I like the story. I think it's a good story. Um, I think it's... Like, I really like The Walking Dead. Season 2, I don't think, was quite as good as the Maybe first one. Maybe it would have been longer if you'd made a different choice. No, it wouldn't have. <laughs> it ends where it ends. And uh, But next next month's... No, not next month. Two more months would be the final episode. So it'll be interesting to see. Is it going to be more Bad Wolf or Wolf Guy? Whatever it's called? No. I like are, that one. They're not going to do that one again. I like that story. They're actually... It's kind of boring what they're doing next. They've just got the right... They're doing Minecraft next. This like a one of their games set takes place in Minecraft. Now I can see the appeal of that. Well, there's a lot of Minecraft fans who would love that. They're taking it and making a story, and it will reference all the characters and everything. But to me, it's I have no interest in it. Characters in Minecraft? Yeah, Steve is the the hero. You know, the, no, actually, I don't know. Yeah, it has its whole. There's no story to Minecraft, but there's a load of characters that are familiar to people. So what? Tell How's that possible? Well, there's the goat and the thing and the sheep and the, they're all characters in the world. So what Telltale are going to do is make a story out of Minecraft. To me, that's... Also, I'm just going to put this out there. When they started making their, their, their games and their style, it seemed right. It seemed kind of fun. The artwork's kind of chunky. It's not smooth. It's kind of... The mouths don't always move with what they're saying. The action is kind of a little bit clunky. You know what I mean? It's it just still is. clunky. Now, when you play that game that you were playing, the either one of the them. The Order. The Order, any of them. Oh, even infamous. the one with the neon girl. Yeah. I mean, the graphics then you are... go backwards to this yeah. one. It's like there's... I understand that the art style is interesting, but it needs to be improved upon. They could make it way better, they just don't. Yeah, use that yeah. same idea, but don't make the chunks of hair float through her back and a hand go into somebody's chest. And Their excuse is like, we like want it to be like a, a graphic novel. And that's like. great. That'd be fantastic if they made it so it actually worked that way. I have to say, all, all Telltale games... Are no, I like them. But... They're all technically... 
buggered in some way. There's something, there's an awkward pause here. Somebody doesn't match the lips. There's always something. It's it's been way better, hasn't it, on the PS4 with the Game of Thrones though. Yes. On the PS3, it was on uh, what was it? Walking Dead. It was nasty sometimes. It, it, like they'd walk up to a door and just stand there, and then they stand there, and then they stand there, and then it would be loading or something, and then eventually it would un. Or sometimes it just froze completely. It was kind of a mess. But uh, yeah, Game of Thrones is out now. So sit or what's for dinner? But is oh, hold on. What's for dinner? We already had our dinner. We already ate dinner. Very good at living there. Uh, we had a bean burger. Let's have some more dinner. Spicy black bean burgers. Yes. Because we don't eat meat. A salad. Because we don't eat meat. Only people who don't eat meat eat salads, apparently. Yes. And uh, soup. It was good. I can review the dinner. Vegan soups. Because we actually ate the dinner. We I did. will say the dinner was <laughs> yummy. Because I was it. ready for some dinner. Uh, so now, what we can actually do is finish the podcast and eat another dinner. Go to bed. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go to bed because I'm tired. So, Sid, so what's your advice before we leave? Well, recently, someone that I've known in the past died. And it's one of those people that you know that you don't 100% know. Because they're not in your life all the time, but they were around for a period of time for whatever... The context of your relationship could have been an old friendship, could have been somebody you're intimate with, could have been someone you worked with for 10 years and then they left and you never saw them again. But then you find out they die. And it's like you don't, there's a mixture of, well, that's sad because the person I knew wasn't very old. He was like the same age as my middle sister, actually. They're not in my life every day. I've regained some contact, but not like up close or anything. And then you're like, well, that's sad. And then all of a sudden you think, well, then that that chunk of whatever I knew of that person, that's it. There will never be more to it. There'll never be another anything, another text message or another thing on Facebook that they post about the grandkids or in a phone call, nothing. Whoever the person was, you'll never have a reunion with that person you used to work with because now you found out that they died. And it's kind of a weird mixture because you think, well... Is this, is it grief? Because you think, oh, that's really sad. And they're no longer in the lives of the people who are close to them. That's sad. It's always sad. There's always somebody dying everywhere in the whole world. But I think that people have an expectation to tell you how it's okay to grieve or not grieve or whatever for people. Like if it's someone you've been intimate with, but now of course you're with a husband 20 years later, or if it's somebody that Maybe nobody else liked at work, but you actually liked them. And now everybody's like, oh, well, I don't care if they're dead. Why do you care? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, fuck off. Like, let me grieve however I do for whatever the reason is, however it is, and then move on. Like, don't tell me the person's not important just because you don't see the, the Who relevant. Who telling you that? I just think that people do. I think people like... You know, like, my one of my friends had a guy that she dated right after her for her divorce. I said her first divorce, her only divorce. Then she started dating her current husband. Well, then that guy that she dated in between died in a car wreck. She's always been devastated by it. And he always gives her shit about it. Oh, so you miss him, do you? She's like, well, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter to you. It has no reflection on you. It is a person I've known. So that's what I mean. Like, you just, 
if you're ever in a situation where you're sad that someone's died, or it could be less than dying, it could be someone retired or moved away, but you actually really miss the person, and everyone around you is just like, why? Like, ugh. Well, just tell them to kiss your ass, like, or just do it your own way. Do not, what I'm, the main thing is, don't deny yourself allowing yourself to feel sad or annoyed or whatever it is about that person being gone from this world and then move on. Don't just be like, eh, no big deal. If it's no big deal, that's fine. But if it actually is, but you want to pretend it isn't, it's going to hit you someday. Like, someday it's just going to smack you in the face and you just be like, whoa, that person doesn't even exist anymore. Mm. No matter what I do, no matter what, if I call up old classmates, that classmate doesn't exist anymore. You know, that's like... Well, we've all lost, like, my mother doesn't exist Right, but that's a person close up to you. Right. Who, everyone has a slot and a design for how you're allowed to grieve for people. If a husband or a wife or a child, yeah, there's no rules, but people have expectations of you. If you say, I'm grieving over an old boyfriend, and now you're married with six kids, then the expectation is, oh, well, that's insulting to your husband. Well, no. (laughs) My husband has nothing to do. With past relationships. Like, it just... I have a disconnect there, because I don't think that sounds right. Hmm. And, pe- yeah, people die all the time, but it could be someone who's just sort of in your past, or... If you do find out a classmate died who you weren't totally friends with, but it hits you really hard, like, whoa. Then let it hit you hard, and be upset. And even if other classmates are like, oh, he was never my friend. I didn't care about him or her. Why does it matter? Well, maybe it matters to you. Don't let other people design your grief. No matter who dies, that you know, however you feel it, just feel it. Good words to live by. <laughs> so to speak. So I want to remind you about our website, sayschooly.com, sitsout.com. You catch us on the social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com. We're also in the new, um, what do you call it? Poddirectory.com. Right. And cut you, right, you can actually listen to us on there, poddirectory.com. Uh, you can also catch it on iTunes Music Store, the Xbox, no, it's not that. The Microsoft Groove, I believe it's called now. Why do they keep making a different name every week? And. They don't. You can email feedback to me, or you can subscribe on the RSS feed, ascoli.com slash podcast. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Mr. Matthew Vaughn. I'm really interested to see what comes next from you because I really enjoyed this movie and don't miss this movie even if it passed you by go and see this movie well don't go and see it stay in the house and watch it (laughs) I'm going to say a thing for yourself or someone will do it for you